This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching on my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm your host, Scott Ratcliffe, and I'm pleased to be joined by Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee, Jerry Ratcliffe. We'll talk some football, but let's jump right into it with some UVA men's basketball. A big win over Florida down in Charlotte on Friday night. Uh, what are some of your initial takeaways from these first two games of the season with all these new pieces? Well, I, I think the main thing is that uh, what we expected early on is that this was going to be Reese Bigman's team, and he certainly has evolved into that role and taken over this team. Uh, uh, we had Jason Wilford on a Jerry and Jerry show several weeks ago, and he told us that he had seen a, a new Reese Beekman once he returned from his flirtation with the NBA and the combine and some of those workouts, and that his confidence had zoomed, and he was much more aggressive and uh, had worked on his shot, and, and we've seen all that in the first two games he, uh, he kind of took over there at the end of the Florida game and was driving to the basket, um, made some big plays, and, of course, bottled up their uh, Florida point guard on the Chapman, I think it was, on the sidelines on, in the waning seconds and tied him up, stole the ball, and uh, forced a foul to ice the game at the end. And that's exactly what you want from your senior leader. and. That's exactly what Virginia is getting. I know Tony Bennett has to be elated with what he's seen out of Reese. And, uh, you know, some of the other guys have made a big presence already. Uh, I think everybody had to be really excited about what they've seen from Blake Buchanan, the six foot 11 freshman out of Idaho. Uh, really mobile kid more physical than I thought he would be. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the starting lineup uh, sometime soon because he started the second half against Florida, uh, was a major player in that game, and um, which is very impressive. I've been impressed with most of the guys, uh, the returnees and the newcomers that we've seen. Uh, certainly – uh, Dante Harris has, has made an impact. Uh, Andrew Rohde, Jake Groves. Uh, we're still waiting on Jordan Miner to kind of step up a little bit. Leon Bond uh, played some nice minutes in the first game. Ryan Dunn's been very consistent. And, of course, Isaac McNeely. Uh, uh, we expected him to be a, a better shooter, and I think he's going to be. Uh, he's hit some really big baskets in the first two games. So, I I think they've gotten off to a really good start and um, should continue on throughout uh, the next week or so. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Leon Bond. He had a, a great breakout performance against Tarleton State. Um, Buchanan didn't do as much in that first game, but, you know, obviously sh showed a lot in the second game. Um, knocked down some big free throws. Um, played. He's he shown some some great flashes on the defensive end as well. Um and, you know, you mentioned Reese Beekman, his just looking at his numbers over the first two games, 
He's averaging a team high 14.5 points. Uh, he's averaging six assists a game, 3.5 rebounds, uh, three steals, a block, and he's only turned the ball over one time so far this year. Uh, just talk a little bit about, you know, not only his defense, obviously, but but just, uh, you know, his his uh, play on the offensive end at that floor general spot. Well, I, I think, you know, he when he dabbled with the NBA there a little bit, I, I, he had to, uh, like Tony Bennett told him, he says, you got to lace them up because you're going up against some guys in the combine that are, uh, their whole future's on the line and how they perform. So he had to step up uh, his game a notch and on both ends of the floor. And I think he learned that he's going to have to be more offensive. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing is he's uh, taken over that leadership role. He's, he's become more aggressive. He's um, really driving to the basket more, I think, than we've seen in the past, uh, particularly early in the season. Uh, he's worked on his jump shot. Uh, he's had a couple of nice three-pointers so far. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the main scorers on this team and much more or much less reluctant than he uh, he, he had been reluctant sometimes to shoot in the past, but I, I think that's in the past. I think he's going to be a much more aggressive guy hunting. He told me in the preseason he was going to be hunting shots more this year, and he certainly has so far. I, I, he's a, a complete player. I mean, he's got the entire game on both ends of the floor, and he's showing it. He's he's doing some things statistically that very few players have done in the past five, ten years in college, major college basketball, not just – at UVA or in the ACC, his his numbers are are uh, jumping off the out off the box score at people uh, who are used to examining those things, pro scouts and people who look for more than just the scoring. So, um, I think Virginia's going to get a, an incredible year out of Reese Bickman. Yeah, and he's actually uh, in the top ten on a couple of. Uh, career school list as well. Um, he is currently ninth in uh, career assists with 436. He is eighth in career steals with 166. And minutes, he is top 10. He's he's 10th overall, uh, just behind Sean Singletary. He's at 32.6 minutes a game. Um, and a little bit about the other two returners uh, that you mentioned, Ryan Dunn and, and Isaac McNeely, now stepping into a starting role. Uh, just talk a little bit about, you know, what you've seen from them over these first two games. Um, uh, Isaac's obviously hit some big threes. Ryan, we've seen what he can do um, on the defensive end, had a career high uh, seven steals the other night against Florida. Just uh, what have you seen from those two in particular uh, in those, in those uh, you know, bigger roles this year? Pretty much what we expected, I think. I, I believe McNeely will up his scoring average. I think he's going to be a much more dangerous sh shooter this year, and, and he was pretty darn good last year as a freshman. But uh, I, I think uh, I think he should get more shots a game than what he's getting, uh, particularly this early on, so he can get accustomed to uh, filling it up a little bit more because they're going to need him when they the schedule gets more serious. 
and I think he he needs to start jacking it up a little bit more. Honestly, I think they need to get him open more for shots, and uh, certainly he has a green light. I, I just think he needs more shots, um, and I, I think he'll deliver. Uh, Dunn has has been uh, just complete. I mean, he, he's a good rebounder, good passer, good defender. Uh, I think his scoring will come as we go, uh, advance through the season. I, I think he's just going to be an outstanding player uh, as we move along. All of his numbers aren't just offensive numbers. He he can do it all, rebound, play defense, etc. He can guard multiple positions, and um, he, he's just going to be a, a hard guy to shut down as as his game develops this season. And you mentioned uh, Buchanan as well. Um, you know, obviously uh, with the mass exodus in the front court this season with all the guys that left um, in the offseason, um, you know, you're going to have those minutes available in the front court. And and we've, we've kind of seen uh, Jake Groves, Buchanan, and, and Ryan Dunn get the, the bulk of those minutes thus far. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Buchanan got the start in the second half against Florida. And and obviously prove that he belongs out there. And and Tony said that he might be mixing up his starters a little more this season than years past. So I'll ask you, um, after what you've seen through two games so far, uh, do you stick with Blake at the five? Um, do you kind of just switch it up depending on the matchups? Um, what would you? What would be kind of your ideal starting five going forward? I think we'll probably see what Tony suggested in that he's probably going to experiment some with starting lineups, pretend, uh, particularly depending on who the opponent is. If it's a, if it's a team that doesn't have, uh, that does feature a lot of big guys, he, uh, minor may get some more minutes, uh, somebody who can go in and be physical. Uh, I know he's not as mobile as Blake. That's what Tony really likes about Blake Buchanan is he's a very mobile guy. He can slide. He's got good f- uh, footwork, um, good range, good range, uh, on, uh, on, on offense. He can stretch the floor. He can go out and guard a guy who's stretching. So, um, I think, um, we'll see a lot of, a lot of Blake Buchanan, but, uh, again, it's early. You're going to be playing some, what I refer to as rent of victims, uh, essentially guaranteed by games, um, like, Tarleton State, we'll see a couple of those this week with North Carolina A&T and Texas Southern coming to town. So, uh, you know, early on he can experiment and move guys in and out of the lineup and see who has chemistry, what lineups work together. Uh, That's typical Tony Bennett in the preseason or early season, rather, and uh, of a lot of non-conference games. And uh, it gives him a chance to – his team to see a lot of different styles of play from different kind of opponents. So they, you know, whatever they see once the ACC portion of the schedule begins and, and uh, some games against some of the tougher non-league opponents, uh, Virginia will be pretty well-versed in, in whatever they may see offensively or defensively. 
Yeah, and you know, and you mentioned the the random victims <laughs> coming up this week. Uh, North Carolina A and T that's Tuesday, Texas Southern on Thursday, both at JPJ, both seven o'clock tip offs. And by the way, the Hoos are a 30, 31 point favorite for Tuesday's game um, against North Carolina A and T. They're kind of the bottom of the barrel and the Ken Palm ratings right near the the bottom of the barrel. Uh, then next week you'll face off against Wisconsin and either SMU or West Virginia at the Fort Myers Classic. And you've also got a few more important non-conference games coming up with the inaugural um, ACC-SEC Challenge game this year uh, against a really good Texas A&M team that could be, you know, important in in the long in the long run uh, in terms of you know, net ranking and all that, um, as mentioned. And then you've got a true road test at Memphis next month as well, um, prior to jumping into ACC plays. So, so your thoughts on the, the the competition level kind of stepping up after this week a little bit more? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, reun- uh, sort of a uh, reunion with former Hokie coach uh, Buzz Williams out of Texas A&M. Uh, the Aggies have been pretty good the last couple of years under his direction. So I expect that'll be a really uh, tough contest. And Memphis is always good. That's uh, a road game. So uh, those are never easy. And uh, like like you mentioned, the uh, tournament down in South Florida or Central Florida uh, will be some pretty good basketball too. So uh, Virginia will be tested. Um and I, you know, I think that's what Tony's looking for is to see how his team responds to uh, different kinds of styles of play from quality opponents that will, and it's all geared toward getting them ready for ACC play. So uh, I don't think he's overly concerned if if they uh, drop a game or two, as long as he gets what he needs out of it. And that's seeing who works together well, what chemistry uh, there is between various. Uh, combinations that he puts on the floor and who works well together against bigger lineups or smaller lineups or more athletic lineups or faster lineups. So uh, they're going to run the gamut and 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 see a little bit of everything between now and, and when the serious ACC season begins uh, in late December, early January. And I I think that's what Tony likes to get out of the early season is just to find out everything he can about his own basketball team and how he can brace brace for uh, conference competition. All right. We're going to take a a quick break and we'll be right back and talk some Virginia football on the other side of the break. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4628. 
1-800-273-8830. Hey, this is Ronnie Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now Class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome back. And Hootie, before we talk UVA, Louisville, and the last two games of the season, uh, we recently got the future ACC scheduling model for the next seven seasons. And it looks like the Cavaliers will be seeing the next or uh, the the three new conference members uh, quite a lot over the next few seasons. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I don't have the uh, schedule in front of me, but I remember writing when that was announced a, a couple of weeks ago that Virginia's going to get a heavy dose of those three new members, SMU, Cal, and Stanford. Um, in the first two or three seasons that they're in the conference beginning next year. I, I think uh, one of those teams, maybe SMU, comes to Charlottesville. I can't remember right now, but uh, <clears throat> it, it'll be uh, interesting, obviously, uh, facing some new teams. I, I don't know how it's going to relate to fans. And uh, I guess, you know, it's, it, Fresh new teams, uh, new rivalries being built. Um, who knows if what college football is going to look like seven years from now, if this thing will even grow into fruition or not. I mean, we saw how long the alliance between the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 uh, lasted yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, that didn't even last a year before. That was blown up thanks to the Big Ten being greedy and uh, absorbing teams, uh, sort of a sneak attack on everybody, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, you know, who, who knows if we'll even have conferences in seven years. There, we may just see one major conference with 30 or 40 or 50 teams in it and broken up into divisions, which is kind of silly because that's what we started with originally anyway. And, and now uh, – who knows what things are going to look like seven years from now or even two years from now, the way college athletics are trending and uh, the greed uh, amongst the TV networks and the and the conferences, mind-boggling. I, I don't think any of us ever thought 10 years ago we'd ever see anything like this, but certainly that's what we're faced with. But it, it'll be fun while it lasts to have uh, some new teams, some new uh, faces in the league and some new destinations for fans to go to. I don't know how many people will actually go to these venues. And I don't know how many of their fans will come east, excuse me, will come eastward, but uh should be fun while it lasts and uh, make the most of it, right? Exactly. And uh, it looks like SMU might be pretty competitive, um, you know, coming in at least, of the three, uh, they're they're right there at the top of the standings in in the American um, in their last season there. So, and and they've got a lot of money. <laughs> they got a lot of money to spend, and and they're going to spend it. So, yeah, the Mustangs uh, uh, they have uh, some of the wealthiest supporters of any school in the country, and uh, they have been dying to get into a Power Five conference. They lobbied uh, extremely hard. I wrote about that back right before they came in about how uh, their, their, one of their major boosters flew in his private plane all over the country for a year, and including Charlottesville, to try to influence ADs and commissioners to 
give them utmost consideration. And the fact that they said they would not take any of the TV revenue from the conference for the first seven, I think, seven years that they're going to be in the league speaks volumes about how serious those boosters were in, in terms of getting into a Power Five conference. Um, they've got the money. They're, uh, I think they're in heavy, heavily investing in their football program out there, and they believe that they can win. And uh, uh, back when before the Southwest Conference broke up, they won that conference several times, and that that's when they were going toe to toe with Texas and Texas A and M and Oklahoma, and uh, and all those other schools in the league. So. Uh, you know, I know, of course, they were bending the rules a little bit back then <laughs> and got the death penalty for it. But they, you know, they have, uh, there, there's no doubt that if they're serious about trying to win the right way and, and play football uh, at the big level, that, that they can do it. Now that the NIL is ever present, I'm sure they'll take advantage of that. And, uh, I think they could compete in the ACC right now. I, I don't know if, where they would finish if they were in the league this year playing a full ACC schedule, but I imagine it would be in the upper echelon of the league. And Cal hasn't been uh, too bad either. They've they've played some of the better teams in their league uh, down almost to the wire. And uh, uh, Stanford's struggling a little bit, but I, I think Cal is, could probably come in and hold their own right now as well. Yeah, Pac-12 is loaded this year. They've got, I think, five teams ranked right now. Um, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how all that works out. Um, the two teams that we do know that it's what it's looking like, at least, uh, with two weeks to go, that will be playing for the ACC championship this season. Florida State, of course, we know wrapped up their spot in the in the championship game. Louisville, the other one, uh, UVA had them on the ropes, you know, in their own in their own building, uh, had a lead late in the game, almost pulled off another huge upset on the road. Uh, but, but like you, you talked about in your column afterwards, Jerry, they, they just couldn't find a way to finish. Well, that's been their problem all season long. And, you know, this, this team, uh, has lost what five games by 10 points or, or less, um, four games by three points or less. So it, a lot of it has been self-inflicted inflicted, uh, early on, and even some of that to some degree out Louisville. I mean, you look at that uh, blocked punt in the end zone for a touchdown, that that was the game right there. That, 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 could, that was easily the difference in the game. If they hadn't given up that touchdown, they probably would have won the game. Um, and I, I'm surprised that they – I'm surprised and not surprised that they had that punt blocked because the first, I think it was the first punt they had in the game. It should have been blocked. Um, Virginia didn't make any corrections and had one blocked there at the end, or uh, not at the end, but uh, a few punt, a couple of punts later. Um, they've had some issues with that all season long. They, they had another punt or two blocked this season as well, and. Uh, just little things like that that turn into huge uh, issues uh, in, in a game that's not necessary. And 
uh, you know, I guess that's part of learning how to win. We we hear about that all the time, and this team just uh, has struggled with that. They've they've been in the lead going into the fourth quarter so many times and not been able to pull it off. Um, I think one of the few times was down in Chapel Hill that they uh, finished finished a game, but. Uh, uh, that's been the difference. They just they they make uh, too many mistakes and are just unable to to get things done. And and of course, uh, Louisville uh, is a really good football team. I, I think they kind of look past Virginia. Um, I don't know if they were looking toward uh, toward Miami or just look thinking that they had all they had to do was show up and beat Virginia, but. Um, that was a game that Virginia could have easily won. They gave up – Virginia gave up – Virginia's defense played really well until late in the game, and they gave up those two huge explosive plays that cost them the game. Uh, I mean, two plays of over 50 yards, and you just – you can't do that, particularly in a close game. And and they essentially uh, let Louisville win the game. And you got to give Louisville credit if they called – some uh, simple but uh, well-executed plays and and did a good job of pulling them off. And Virginia had tackled pretty well throughout this game. Uh, They had shut down Louisville's inside zone running game, which uh, Louisville had made a living off of. They did a pretty good job against that. um, But in the end, Louisville just had so many weapons and and Virginia's defense – just kind of faltered down the stretch. Yeah, and uh, true true freshman quarterback Anthony Calandria filling again for the injured Tony Musket did everything he could, uh, led the team in rushing, uh, was really effective with those design runs, um, and and then also you know made some some big plays with you know through the air. Uh, is are the design runs? Is that something that you think uh, Des Kitchens could stick with uh, for these last two weeks um, and and moving forward? Uh, just looks like he's he's looks comfortable, you know, stepping back and then just taking off and and finding the holes. Yeah, I, I think so. I I think they've got to be careful not to overuse it. Um, but I I think Landria does a very good job of, of, for the most part, of judging whether he has uh, a lane to run in, and it's usually right up the middle, uh, and they. That's that's uh, some of the pass routes open that up, I think. But um, yeah, Calandria, I, I thought he took a, a major step forward in the Louisville game. He made fewer mistakes than he had in the past. Made better decisions. Didn't panic as much, and uh, played a more controlled, uh, thoughtful game. Uh, most of the most of the game. I mean, he made a couple of mistakes, but that that's everybody's going to make a couple of mistakes. But I thought he uh, showed a little more maturation, and, and that had to come at some point. And I, I think he learned from previous mistakes and film study. And um, I, I think he'll be better for it going forward. I, I don't know. We will find out tomorrow. Uh, We'll get an update on Musket as to whether his high ankle sprain is healed or not. Usually those things can linger for weeks, so we don't know. 
uh, at this point. But I, I think uh, with either quarterback, they should be in, in fine shape for the last two games of the season against Duke and Virginia Tech here. This team still hasn't won an ACC home game, and there's an opportunity there to, to get one, although the Hokies are playing better, and certainly Duke is playing better. Even though Riley Leonard uh, has missed the last two games, I believe, for Duke, um, his backup has is, is played very well in his absence, and uh, Duke uh, had a really good chance of knocking off Carolina in Chapel Hill the other night and uh, let him off the hook at the end, but uh, both of these are going to be very challenging contests for Virginia in trying to uh, finish the season strong. Yeah, that Carolina-Duke game was a great finish, by the way. Oh, well, uh, very exciting game. I was, I was thoroughly enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, and um, uh, Malik Washington, uh, the Northwestern transfer wide receiver, continues to have just an impressive season he should break just about all of the school's single season records um leading the acc and in, in most of the receiving categories um if you just look at his numbers on the season 88 catches 1199 yards he's averaging 13.6 a catch uh seven touchdowns um who do you, uh just your 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 thoughts on on how this guy continues to put up these numbers with all the attention that the defenses are putting on him. And, and do you think that he's in consideration for some All-American uh, some all American nods? Well, he should be in uh, contention for those. I, I don't know. Uh, the year that Virginia's get, uh, having is probably not going to help him in terms of getting national attention, even though he's putting up the numbers. But – uh, I usually don't get a lot out of spring games, but there's one thing I, I could tell this in this past spring game is that Malika Washington was legit. Uh, you could just tell uh, he had really good speed, I thought. Uh, I saw that on one kick return that he had uh, late in the game, and he, he just was really impressive with his speed. And uh, he seemed to have good hands, and I like the fact that once he – got his hands on the ball, he knew what to do with it. We've heard him, people say that he runs more like a running back than a wide receiver, and he's got the yards after catch to prove that statistically. Uh, this guy is, is just uh, having a great season, uh, one of the greatest seasons of any receiver in UVA history, and there's been some really good receivers here over the last uh, 30, 40 years. And, uh He's he's having one of the best years ever, um, and it's pretty good because he's only five eight and about two two oh five something like that. But uh, he's a real deal, and uh, I, I think he could play for anybody in the country. And uh, I'm sure he'll get chances to play on Sunday uh, going forward. But I, he's just fun to watch, and I, I don't know what you got to do to get it the ball in his hands more, but this, these last two weeks of the season, I would try to double the amount of uh, times that he touches the football. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, I, one thing I have heard in terms of his, you know, NFL stock and NFL future um, is his size, you know, the, his size, but I think about Alameda Zacchaeus is probably about the same size and then look what he's doing, you know, he, what he's done in the NFL. 
Yeah, there's a lot of guys over the last 10, 20 years that uh, don't have much or, or, or hardly any more size than, than Washington does. And they've, they've had uh, some really outstanding seasons and careers in the NFL. So I, I don't think his size is going to hold him back, particularly as a slot receiver, because you can move him around the field more than you. And, uh, uh, you know, with his speed and, like I said, his toughness and ability to run after catch, and he's a smart player, smart person. He's on a roll all Big Ten uh, academically, and I'm sure he'll do the same uh, in the ACC for his entire college career. So uh, he's tough, he's fast, he's smart, uh, he's athletic. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's going to be anything holding him back. And you mentioned his smarts. Um, he was kind of Johnny on the spot, right place at the right time against Louisville the other night. Um, unfortunate that Paris Jones was injured on the play. But Washington was able to scoop it up and, and run it into the end zone. Um, a little bit about Jones, uh, we we heard that that he um, had spinal surgery, uh, was taken to the U of L Medical Center after being motionless on the field for several minutes and and carted off the field. Um, uh, just our our thoughts are, are with Paris and his family during this time as he's recovering. Um, and do, do we have any more updates on that as of right now? Uh, we'll probably get an update tomorrow at Tony Elliott's press conference, but uh, the the last word we've gotten was that he was moved to a rehab center there in Louisville, and um, he had walked a little bit Saturday, and um, that that's it. But it, it sounds like uh, some progress was made, and uh, I know he's getting uh, – millions of prayers from Wahoo Nation and, and other fan bases as well. And uh, we're, we're happy to see that uh, that he was up and walking and, and uh, is in rehab and uh, wish him Godspeed and, and hopefully he'll be able to return to Sh- Charlottesville or return home soon and, uh, and m- move along. And we did receive word from the team that if anyone would like to send a card or flowers or anything to Paris – uh, you can send those to the football office at UVA, and that address is 290 Massey Road, 290 Massey Road in Charlottesville. That's 22903. Uh, back to that play, why was there no flag for targeting on that play? Um, we, we know uh, they did not show a replay on the broadcast, I believe, and then understandably so. But, you know, doesn't that at least warrant a video review um, to have, you know, a helmet-to-helmet hit like that? Well, you would have thought so. I've I've heard. Um, I guess some people had taped the game and went back and looked at it. And there's a. I've heard both sides of the argument that it that it should have been targeting and and that it wasn't targeting. So I don't. I, I'm not qualified to say because I did not see a replay. And um, but uh, it, I think if there's any question of that, that there should have been, and uh, at least to look and see. Uh, I don't know how he could have been injured to that magnification without it having been targeting of some kind. So I think it should have at least been reviewed. And, and maybe it was, and we don't know that. But I, I don't know because I don't think anybody spoke to any game officials about that 
afterward. Uh, it's harder to do that these days for some reason, but um, I think if there's any question or any doubt at all, it, it should have been looked at. And so you you have two games left, uh, both at Scott Stadium, like you mentioned, Duke this Saturday at 3 o'clock on the CW Network, Virginia Tech next Saturday to close things out. Uh, that game is on a six-day hold, so we won't know the kickoff time or the TV details until um, this weekend's games are completed. Um, but what do you think about the possibility of, of just finishing strong, really? Just, just, you know, especially if, you know, maybe – Virginia Tech's coming in here next weekend at, at five and six on the year and looking to clinch bowl eligibility. Uh, just, w- you know, what, what are some of the positive notes that, that the Cavaliers can put on the, on the end of the season um, for the senior class? Well, I, I think the, that they can just look back at their season and, and say, we've proven that we can play with pretty much anybody in our league. Uh no, they haven't played Florida State, and no, they haven't played Clemson, but they have played uh, pretty much everybody else that's in the upper half of the league and beat a top-10 team on the road, took Miami, which is nearly, uh, you know, they gave Florida State a really good game this past week. They took Miami to overtime on the road. Uh, they could have beaten Louisville on the road. Uh, they had Boston College beat on the road. Um, It seems like they've played better on the road than they have at home, which is kind of a mystery to me because usually Virginia teams uh, have been better at home than they have been on the road. Um, But I I think, you know, just the fact that at some point these guys are going to have to say, hey, this is our home turf. We've got to defend this field, and we've got to be tougher to beat at home, almost impossible to beat at home if we want to move this program forward. Yeah, and as we are recording this uh, today, it is the one-year anniversary of the tragic shootings on grounds that claimed the lives of Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry uh, last November 13th. And we are thinking of these young men and their families today, and we will never forget them, Moody. Well, as as you know, you and I were together uh, last year when this occurred. We saw it on Twitter that the campus was on lockdown uh, because of an active shooter, <clears throat> and little did we know until uh, we least we listened to police scanners and watched Twitter throughout the night, um, and little did we know at the time that uh, there was anyone that had been killed, let alone that it was uh, football players. And um, it was way up into the morning hours. Um, uh, Deshaun Perry's dad and I had gotten to know each other a little bit on Twitter. We follow each other, and he had always been very kind to me with some nice words. Uh, And we saw on his Twitter when he wrote – um, uh, my son is dead. And at that point it hit both of us like a ton of bricks, realizing that his son was one of the people that had been shot. And later we found out there was two, two more and plus Mike Hollins and another young woman, 
who had been shot, but those two survived and, and two didn't. Uh, and it was just uh, it's something that uh, I guess none of us will ever forget or uh, it's always going to be part of this community's history, uh, a nightmarish history. We've had some of those moments in recent years um, athletically as well as otherwise, but um, just a tragic thing that no family or community or university should ever have to go through. And uh, the way that this community has rallied together in support of those people killed and wounded uh, is admirable. I don't know that anybody could have done it better. Um, I think uh, as Carla Williams and others have said that, uh, you know, none of us will ever forget those three kids and uh, the tragedy. And I thought it was uh, very, um, just a great gesture on UVA's part to open Scott Stadium today so people could go by and visit the memorial plaques of those three players in the up there in the end zone uh, at the pergola uh, with all the uh, wall of fame players and coaches from UVA football history up there and just to, to pay tribute to them and what they meant to uh, to everyone. And uh, I know there were some other events on grounds as well, but uh, I thought that one in particular was a great gesture where people could just go by and pay their respects. Indeed. And, um, you know, like, like you said, uh, we'll never forget those three young men and, and just everything that this football program has been through over this past year. I mean, it's, it's amazing that they, that they've taken the field as many times as they've had, they've, they've gone out there and given all they've had and, and, and it's very admirable uh, to see. No question about it. And uh, I'm sure uh, those guys will be in the hearts of the players uh, this weekend when they when they host Duke. And we're going to take another quick break and we'll wrap this wrap up this edition of the show with some women's hoops news and some other Olympic sports news on the other side of the break. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo wah. We're back on The Jerry Ratcliffe Show, and Hootie, it's year two of the Coach Mox era. She's got her team off to another 2-0 start in the second straight season. Still hasn't lost a non-conference game as UVA's coach uh, in her tenure. Uh, but that non-ACC slate is a little bit tougher this time around uh, Oklahoma coming to town this weekend and an, a big matchup with the defending champs LSU next week at the Cayman Islands Classic. 
Uh, but the Who's are looking good through their first two games, despite dealing with still dealing with several injuries. Uh, they've they've got new uh, a lot of new faces on their roster as well this season. Uh, the three freshmen, Mo Johnson, Olivia McGee, and Adessa Noyon, are really seeing significant minutes and are contributing. Uh, while a couple of transfers, Jillian Brown and Taylor Lauterbach, have mixed in well with the key returning players. Uh, Cam Taylor, uh, she led the team in scoring last season. She's off to another great start this season. Uh, Yonta Vaughn and Alexia Smith have looked pretty good as well. And I think once they get everybody back from injury, uh, Hootie, we should really get a good idea of what this team can do. Um, London Clarkson missed the opener against Maryland Eastern Shore last uh last week but was back against Campbell on Sunday uh the Hoosa are still without Sam Brunel uh Mir McLean Caden Lawson and Arizona transfer Paris Clark uh but coach Mox says she hopes to have all of them back you know fairly soon uh, we don't really have any timetable but uh who do you did talk with Sam Brunel at media day uh, a few weeks back and what are some of the things that she had to say about uh, returning from injury and gearing up for her final season of college basketball. Well, first of all, what a what a pleasant young lady she is, and uh, I enjoy talking to Sam. She's just a, a great person. Um, we were talking about some uh, things on and off the court. I, uh, she uh, has a, I think her ad- undergraduate degree from Notre Dame was in communications, and uh, she's very interested in becoming. Uh, a TV uh, analyst uh, once her college career is over with, and and she's well cut out for that. She's a very intelligent, uh, outgoing personality and uh, uh, has a gift. I, I think she's very comfortable in that role, and I expect to see her probably uh, doing that pretty soon once she gets out of school. But uh, this season, she really wants to help take this program back to the heights that it once was back when she was a young, uh, much younger. And, and she saw she used to come to the games with her parents uh, at the end of the Debbie Ryan era. So I don't know how familiar she is. She probably wasn't born, I guess, back. Well, I know she wasn't born back when Virginia was going to Final Fours. Uh, they went to three Final Fours in a row that, that I had the pleasure of covering um, with Debbie Ryan's teams with Don Staley and and uh, some some great players that she was surrounded with um, in those days, but uh, she remembers the Debbie Ryan era and and what Debbie had going for this university's women's basketball program, and uh, she'd like to help bring it back to to those standards and and uh this year would be a, a major step in that direction i think last year they showed that uh, that they they can still win and and they did a good job of it they were undermanned a little bit i, th- I know they had some handicaps last season but uh i think this team is going to be exciting and fun to watch especially when they get healthy again and Sam was talking about how that uh, she hopes to become more of a three-level scorer this season. She was reminded by Coach Mox that she has a really good inside game that maybe she hasn't taken full advantage of earlier in her career, and that's something that she hopes to uh, 
help define her season and her career this this final year at UVA. Uh, she's got a nice little hook shot and uh, is a lot more efficient inside than than I think she realized until she was reminded of that. So uh, she's also stepping into a, a more of a leadership role with so many new players and young faces to go along with all the veterans returning. But uh, I, I think uh, Sam wants to really make this a season to remember, and, and I think it will be. Yeah, and we mentioned uh, Mo Johnson and Olivia McGee, two local kids, uh, two uh, two more local kids. Uh, Johnson played at St. Anne's Belfield right down the street, and uh, McGee is from Louisa County. Uh, they were both top 50 recruits. Uh, they both idolized Sam Brunel growing up uh, when she was playing at William Monroe. Um, and you asked Coach Mox about that local connection. Uh, just how cool is it to have, you know, so many – talented kids from the area and and what did she have to say about that well i I think considering that all these all these women were uh pretty highly sought after uh with some of their accolades coming out of high school that you know if, if virginia wanted to get serious about women's basketball again they had to have those players and and she did a great job of recruiting them and bringing them into the fold and uh, I know she's excited about what they bring to the program. And uh, Mo is uh, a very exciting point guard. She has incredible quickness and speed. Oh, uh, 6'2 guard. You don't see a lot of 6'2 guards in the ACC. And uh, certainly she's a reason to be excited as well. And uh, Brunel, when she gets back healthy again, and I, I think that'll be soon, Uh that that uh, is just icing on the cake for Virginia women's basketball fans having three local girls that they can cheer for and pull for because that means even more having uh, some local girls on the team that they can uh, pull for. And so um, I think Virginia bas- women's basketball is back and uh, the, the best days are ahead. Yeah, and in the win against Campbell on Sunday at JPJ, they got off to a rough start and were actually trailing by six at halftime, but they straight up dominated the second half. Uh, they outscored the Fighting Camels 45-14 to 14 after halftime, um, including, I think, just five points in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, all five starters finished in double figures, uh, led by Taylor. She had 16 points and four blocks. Uh, Mo Johnson, 15 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Uh, and both of them were really impressive. Um, they will be hosting William & Mary on Wednesday at 7. And then, as mentioned, big first of the big games this year for the Cavaliers as they will host Oklahoma uh, at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And before we thank our sponsors and wrap things up, uh, we want to get you caught up on some UVA Olympic sports news as the fall season's winding down. The field hockey team with a huge win. They advanced to the Final Four for the sixth time in program history with a 4 nothing upset of number 4 seed Maryland in College Park on Sunday. Uh, they got goals from Daniela Mendez-Trindler, Madison Orsi, Minnie Pollock, and Adele Akabochi. And we'll now take on top-seeded North Carolina in the national semifinals in Chapel Hill on Friday at noon. I believe that's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the Who's upset 
the Tar Heels three to two on senior day uh, and then almost completed the comeback in the ACC semifinals a few days later, but came up a goal short by the same three to two margin. So they'll face off again this time, you know, for a spot in the national championship. Should the Hoos knock off Carolina on Friday, they would face the winner between number two Northwestern and number three Duke. It was almost an all ACC final four. Uh, Louisville al- almost uh, knocked off Northwestern, but that's what it's going to be. Uh, the winner in the national championship game on Sunday at one thirty, if the Hoos can get past the Tar Heels. Um, also in Olympic sports news, the Virginia men's soccer team earned the number seven seed in the NCAA tournament, and they will be hosting the winner between Florida International and Mercer on Sunday. And that's at 1 p.m. at Clockner Stadium. Uh, those two teams will square off on Thursday. Uh, the Hoos fell in penalty kicks against Syracuse last weekend in the ACC tournament. They'll, they'll look to bounce back in the big dance this weekend. And it's also senior night for Friday, uh, for the UVA volleyball team Friday as they will be hosting Duke at Mim Gym at 7 o'clock. They just picked up a five-set win against Notre Dame over the weekend. And last but certainly not least, UVA will be hosting the 2023 NCAA Cross Country Championships this Saturday at Panorama Farm in Earliesville. And for the first time since 2006, both the Cavalier men's and women's teams will be competing after receiving at-large bids. Uh, the women finished third and the, menace, and the men sorry, finished fifth last weekend at the Southeast Regional. Uh, the tickets are only being sold online. You can purchase those at uvatix.com. The first race will start approximately 10.20 on Saturday morning. Uh, it will be televised on ESPNU, I believe, beginning at 10 a.m. Uh, if you're planning to attend, be advised there is no on-site parking, and you will need to park at Fashion Square Mall and take a shuttle from there uh, those will be running from 6.45 until 9.30. Uh, and Hootie, just a little bit about the cross-country program. Just your thoughts on uh, what Vin Lanana has been able to do to turn that program around in such a short amount of time. Well, I, I'm I'm not a bit surprised because Vin is a legend and a national legend in um, track and field and cross-country. The guy's... When he came here, people were saying, you're getting uh, essentially the Mike Krzyzewski of track and field and, and cross country. Uh, this guy uh, was an incredible force at Oregon. Uh, Virginia was uh, it was shocking that the Virginia was able to get him. And uh, what he's done with these programs is, is, rem- is remarkable but expected because, again, he, he's a legend in his sport. And uh, I think the best is yet to come. I, I think he's just scratching the surface of what uh, is in store for, for those programs for Virginia moving forward. And, I mean, he, he's – I think he's trying to turn Virginia into the Oregon of the East. And uh, he's, he's off to a great start doing so. Uh, my yeah. hat off to him. He, he's a, just a terrific coach. Yes, indeed, and and so we just want to wish best of luck to the cross-country teams, to George Gelnovich and crew on Sunday, and to the field hockey team this weekend as well. Uh, anything else you would like to add before we thank our sponsors and sign off, Hootie? I, I think we've wrapped it up pretty well, and um, 
thank you for hosting the show. We, we uh, thanks for everybody listening in. We appreciate it. We're having a record year at jerryratcliffe.com. We thank everybody for visiting our website and uh, appreciate your uh, readership. And uh, of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. The Good Feet Store at Stonefield, uh, right across the street from the theater. Uh, it's their, the official art support of UVA Athletics. A lot of people think they're a shoe store. They're not a shoe store. They're a, uh, they specialize in arches for your feet. So if you're having any kind of discomfort walking, running, uh, you owe it to yourself to go by and see them. I, I did, and uh, it's helped me a lot, and I can thoroughly endorse their product. And uh, they're run by Jonathan Cotton, a Crozet guy. Uh, grew up in Crozet. He's a big UVA supporter. And um, in terms of NIL and other uh, promotions during uh, sporting events, and uh, he's the kind of guy you'd like to do business with and support. Uh, also, Aberdeen Barn, Virginia's finest steakhouse. Uh, Angela and Terry over there do a magnificent job, and they have for decades now. Uh, great atmosphere, great food, great service. See the familiar waiters there. Uh, uh, some of these guys I've seen for I don't know how long. They're, they're great guys. And um, the atmosphere is terrific. It's, uh, anybody that's ever been a Wahoo has spent a lot of time in that restaurant. Uh, and uh, go by and see them. It only, only gets better as, as it gets older. And uh, also... Roback, uh, local company, activewear, one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. Uh, they have an incredible line for men and women, polos, Q-zips, uh, hoodies, uh, you name it, shorts, pants, sweatpants. Uh, they have a UVA line that they came out with during football's early football season. So go to our site and uh, click on their ad, and you get a nice 20% discount off your first order. It helps us, and it helps a local company grow. Um, and thanks to all the sponsors on our website as well. Uh, too many of them to mention right here at the moment, but uh, if you see them, thank them for their support. Uh, that's why we do not charge subscription rates for any of our stuff. We want to make it available to everybody. Um, we went, when we did start this, all this back five years ago, some people, uh, loved our coverage, but couldn't afford subscriptions. So, um, we decided to make it free and accessible to everyone. And, uh, we thank the sponsors for making that possible because without them, we couldn't do that. So, uh, anytime you see anybody that sponsors the podcast or the website, Please uh, make it a point to just thank them for for doing that. It's uh, something that uh, wouldn't happen without them. So thank thank all of you. And what do we have to look forward to on jerryracliffe.com uh, uh, over the next couple of days? Well, we've got uh, a lot of coverage of Virginia Duke coming up this Saturday. Uh, we'll have 
news from tomorrow's press conference and some other stories on that uh, from not only the Virginia angle, but from the Duke angle. Uh, basketball game tomorrow night, men's and women's basketball for the rest of the week. I think there's, what, three three or four games this week. Uh, busy time of the year and uh, all the other sports at UVA. Uh, and we'll have a story on Delaney Poindexter from Covenant School, who has committed to Virginia's women's lacrosse team. Um, she's a junior at Covenant, and uh, she and her one of her best friends, uh, Raleigh Foster, who we had a story about uh, last week, uh, also committed to UVA's women's lacrosse. And uh, it, uh, it's pretty cool uh, reading, uh, examining the bond between those two and what it's going to be like. Uh, they're, they're like sisters uh, going forward uh, for the next, uh, I guess, six years because they're only juniors in high school right now. So uh, UVA women's lacrosse got two really good local products there. Uh, Raleigh following in her sister's footsteps uh, already in the program and uh, Delaney coming on board as well. All right. And one more reminder as well. It's all free and that's the best part. And also don't forget to check out the Jerry and Jerry show on Tuesday morning. That will be uh, starting right around 10, 15 a.m. Uh, you can find that on the I Love Seville Network and on your Twitter site. And anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, well, we we thank people for tuning into that as well. It's a live show, and we get uh, great questions from the audience, which really uh, fuels the show. We do like an hour to 90 minutes, and it goes by so fast because the questions are coming in fast and furious, and they're all intelligent questions and uh, we appreciate the audience participation we, we've got quite an audience going we have anywhere from 7 to 14 states every Tuesday uh, 15 to 25,000 live viewers uh, depending on the week and um, every corner of the state of Virginia so uh, we really uh, thank people for tuning into that as well so there you have it if you got a question for Hootie um, tune in to the Jerry and Jerry show tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning at 10 15 AM. And we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>